You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome back to this episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor, your host, and joining me is William Wellington Boots Gallagher. You see, there was this tiny pause there before you went for Wellington Boots, just long enough for me to think, this isn't going to go well, is it? But I can't <laughs> say I expected wellies. I mean, where your mind goes. No anyway, one expects hi. wellies. So okay. we've got we've got an interview with Jason Applebaum, who is the CEO of EverCharge.net, and we're going to get right to that. I'm so glad Jason's joining us. Jason, tell me a little bit about what EverCharge does. So EverCharge is a, a multifamily charging provider. So that it's a complicated way of saying that we provide charging if you live in a condo or apartment for your electric vehicle to allow you to charge your vehicle at home. Okay, and what are what are the real problems with that today? So it's an, it's actually a really interesting problem. So condos and apartments are plagued with not having enough power to actually charge all of the vehicles that could potentially be in high density parking situations. So you're left with with you know a bunch of complex and expensive questions, or you can leave it to a, for a solution provider that provides load managed charging to allow everybody to charge in the building and get everybody what they need for the next morning in a cost-effective manner. Right. So by load manager saying that cars that have depleted batteries get charged and cars that are fully charged aren't drawing a load. Is that 100% kind of it? correct. So a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I was talking about Qi charging and good battery habits. And I said things like, you know, if you wanted your battery to really have the greatest longevity, that you wouldn't leave it plugged in overnight. Or I said things like, you know, you you should not charge it all the way up to 100%, leave it charged at 100%, which is sort of along the lines of not leaving it on overnight, you know, that uh, that it would do things like cycle between 99 and 100 and just keep aging the battery. And, and, you know, William, who's on this podcast, mentioned that his phone got really hot when it was on a Qi charging pad, and I suggested that wasn't great either. So what I'd like to do is ask you, who knows a little bit about battery chemistry, to go ahead and set me straight. Correct me and tell us what are the right things to do if we want our batteries to last longer. I'm I'm no battery expert, but I do know a good a good amount about actual battery chemistry and what, what batteries like. So t- starting one by one, leaving your phone plugged in overnight, it's not going to do anything. So essentially, when your battery finishes charging, the the system itself can be run off the power coming into the via the cable, and it doesn't actually use your battery, um, depending on the device, but and depending on what you're plugged into. But for the most part, it's not going to deplete your battery and make it bounce between ninety nine and one hundred percent. Qi charging. So. Qi is really, really interesting because it's a wireless technology and there's inherent losses in that wireless technology and losses will directly translate to heat. Uh, And what you end up with is you end up with not necessarily heating the battery, but you're heating the coil, which is next to the battery, which is not good for your battery. So batteries really like to not be fully cycled. So a hundred down to dead every single cycle will absolutely shorten your battery life. So that's why a lot of people say, especially in electric vehicles, you want to keep your car between five and 90%. Sort of that's sort of the range that people like to say. Um, some people say 80%. Uh, Elon Musk recently tweeted that, you know, you should keep it up to 90% for convenience. I think you're just splitting hairs with percentages at that point uh, about sort of longevity. And, and doing that with a cell phone is a lot harder to do. Because there's not a precise percentage and, and sort of there's not a way you can 
you have to sit there and watch it and then quickly unplug it. And it's, it's not necessarily as useful. The thing that, that you shouldn't do is you shouldn't let the phone run to zero. Running your phone to zero every day and then plugging it back in and charging it all the way back to 100% will almost guarantee a shorter battery life. So avoid running it all the way down to zero. Yeah, that's, that is a guaranteed way. And, and constantly plugging it in and keeping it up. I, I don't think the upper limit is the larger concern. I think the lower limit is more of a concern than the upper limit. Okay. And, and batteries has been something that's been a big issue for our iPhone this past year. You know, we, we were um, over the summer and, and over December watching them have the battery debacle where they had been throttling back the CPU in order to get more life out of the uh, more useful life out of a depleted battery. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that has to do with deep cycling. So when you deep cycle a battery as in draining it from hundred percent to zero every day, you're, you're dramatically shortening the bat, the battery's life. And by reducing the amperage draw on the battery, which would slow the CPU, you will get a substantially longer life out of that battery because it's, it's all about high peak. So for example, if, if on your devices, when you put a lot of load on the device, do substantially more, the device gets warm. And it's getting warm for a number of reasons. And the same, same is true in electric vehicles, by the way. If you want to drive 100 miles an hour, your entire system will then get hotter. And batteries don't like to be hot. Um, hot batteries have a tendency to reduce their life. They, that's why uh, electric vehicles, most of them have active cooling systems. So, you know, you, you could say if you're going to do that, Putting an active cooling system on your device to bring down that temperature will also make it last longer. But you'll kind of be a crazy person walking around with your yeah. I'm going to have know, a Pelsier cooler phone. stuck on the back of my phone. Exactly. Powered by an so, external battery. <laughs> but you would have a longer battery life. It's batteries really like to be at a neutral temperature, not too hot, not too cold, and based on the chemistry, it will tell you exactly what that range actually is. But if it's too hot to touch, the battery isn't happy. And if it's too cold, it's also not happy. Let me ask about in the context of something like Apple AirPods, where they have batteries in them and their case is recharging them. You know, there it, it feels like you have even less control as a user because you, you wear them and then you put them in the case to recharge them. And, you know, you're not really able to, to monitor when they're actually charging versus when they're, they're just sitting idle, right? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, you're talking about substantially smaller batteries at that point, and those sort of, lack of a better word, micro batteries are going to behave slightly differently because they're put under different loads. Um, sort of like a watch, right? Having a, a rechargeable watch, draining it to zero and bringing it back up every day, in theory, should have the same effect. But I believe it's going to take longer because there's less mass there. Because the, the biggest problem is, is with, with draining batteries to zero is the heat that it could inflict at zero. Sort of the rapid discharge down to zero, if you will. Okay, can you elaborate on that just a little bit? So, so if you take a battery to zero slowly and gradually and then bring it back up, it's not nearly as damaging as if you draw it down to zero aggressively. So, you know, you've got a laptop doing a very intensive process and the entire, the battery is heated up because the amperage draw is substantially higher and running to zero at a very high amperage draw is essentially, I, this is a, a really not the technically correct 
way of looking at it, but it does make for a good, you know, mental picture. Essentially, you're running past zero. Like you forgot to stop at zero, essentially. And what you're doing is you're you're essentially it, it's not training the battery, but it is it is doing damage to the battery to draw it aggressively down to zero, as opposed to a watch which is going to have for the most part a constant draw on it, or earpods which are or earbuds which are going to have the same constant draw, which if they go to zero, it's like okay you're just at zero. The BMS will say that you know okay we can't operate anymore. Okay, so the. As a, the, the BMS is the battery management system, right? Yeah, correct. Correct. Okay, so it's it's something where a laptop or the phone or the electric vehicle are the areas where we have to be more mindful of this because those are the ones where we have applications that, that are really taxing. The yeah, correct. The AirPods don't run a whole lot in the way of an application. They tend to be a very consistent draw? Yep. Got it. Cool. I, I really appreciate this. This has helped me think about it um, and, and helped correct some of the things that I got wrong. So I, I'm really glad you were able to straighten me out on this. Not a problem. Anytime. Happy to help. Well, thank you so much. Uh, what would you like us to, to do in terms of following up about Evercharge? Is there something we should keep an eye on or look at? Yeah, absolutely. If, you're, uh, if you live in a condo or an apartment and you'd like to drive an electric vehicle, check out evercharge.net. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And that was Jason Applebaum of Evercharge telling us all about batteries and charging and, and all those things that, you know, a couple of weeks ago I, t I brought up charging, which is why we were doing this. You know, I'm so glad that, that I had him here to reinforce that and help us understand better. That's it. I mean, you go the distance, don't you? We brought it up before because I wanted to know. I'd got one of those. Oh, I can never say it. There's uh, wireless chargers spelled Q-I. He Chi. charges. Chi, why will that not stick in my head? I had, I had a, new, a birthday present, new Qi charge, and I was worried about overcharging my phones. And not only did you answer me then, you got in an expert. You go the distance. I'm impressed. Wizardpins.com is the easiest way to create custom pins with your logo or design. Once you upload your design, Wizardpins will send you a free virtual mock-up of your pin. They can work with any design, from hand-drawn sketches to professional design files, and they provide unlimited art revisions until you're completely satisfied. Wizardpins can create pins of any size or shape for any occasion, and their excellent customer service team will help you select the style that's best for you. All pricing is listed clearly on their site, no waiting for a quote, no hassle, no hidden fees, and they offer free shipping and the fastest turnaround in the industry. Some items can be made in as little as two days. Wizardpins is perfect for small or large businesses, nonprofits, armed forces, professional organizations, and more. They also make custom challenge coins, keychains, and race medals. And they, they shipped me a load of pins, and they're really well made. You know, there, there are sort of antique nickel-looking versions and bright, shiny chrome metal, and they're three-dimensional, and there are enamel ones. You know, they're, they're really beautiful. This is really kind of a cool thing. And they came really quickly. Head to wizardpins.com and enter code APPLEINSIDER to get 20% off your first order. That's code APPLEINSIDER for 20% off your first order at wizardpins.com. Now, I have to talk about this. Apple is building a $1 billion campus in Austin, Texas. Yes, I wrote the news story about this for Apple Insider. I think, you know, isn't it? Uh, I, mean, I don't know why it's happening particularly now. They did say earlier in the year they're going to expand, but this is, this is big expansion, isn't it? It really is. And it's, it's interesting because there's going to be, what, a projected 15,000 jobs in Austin for this? 
Yeah, starts with 5,000 whenever they open, and I'm not clear when that will be, but the building is is built to hold 15,000, and doubtlessly that's what they're aiming for. So, yes, they've just finished Apple Park. Wasn't that enough for them? No. Okay. No, and then, you know, this ties into what people expect in terms of uh, stocks, for example. They expect that a company should be a growth company, and that, that, you know, if you're not growing, then you're not using your resources well. Well, Apple has this huge pile of cash. What are they using it for is a good question. And so, well, they aren't going to tell us what they're using it for. Hiring tons more people is a good use of cash. And yes, that, I that, could be bought for lots of money. Yes. Well, uh, we'll see about that. But, you know, the the idea that that when you're a startup, for example, if you get investment, you don't need to hold that money. You need to be using that money to as, as fuel for the fire. Mm. And so here Apple is pouring fuel on the fire by by hiring more employees and using that money and that is a good thing they're also going to increase hiring nationwide right yes that's just what i was thinking there's five thousand now up to 15 uh, but there's just so many more across um uh there were it was pittsburgh wasn't there pittsburgh new york seattle colorado yeah there's all over these are all actually just nice parts of the u.s aren't they that's why they're doing it well, that's also one of the choices that, that people make, right, is they want to live in a nice place in the country in order to uh, – and, and would like to be able to have a good job while they're doing it, right? So so being hired in those places can only be a good thing. Now, there's reasons for things like Pittsburgh. Carnegie Mellon is out there, and that's where a lot of the research on self-driving cars is being done. Oh, I see. Hello. Well, I didn't know that's where Carnegie Mellon is, but uh, Pittsburgh cars, that makes sense. Uh, I see where you're going with this. It's all a cunning plan to slip in an Apple car. Well, I I don't know that that's how it's happening out in Seattle, for example. But there there are reasons for these locations beyond it's a nice part of the country. Okay. But, you know, let's face it, that's a good enough reason for me. All I know about Seattle is is what I've learned from Frasier. So I realize I'm not the most informed (laughs) on in that area, but I enjoyed learning what I learned. Yeah. Okay. And there's also, um, uh, there's a difference here, isn't it? Uh, the big one is Austin, Texas. They already have uh, 6,200 people in one campus there. They're going to build another one within a mile of wherever that is for the other 5 to 15. And then there's new sites in these other places. But they're also expanding, aren't they? So the one in data centers are expanding, such as the one uh, I admit I'd never heard of before in uh, Reno, Nevada. That's going to get huge. Absolutely. Now, Qualcomm is we've been talking about Qualcomm for ages. Qualcomm got an injunction against iPhone sales in China. Okay. Actually got the injunction. Granted. So that's it. No more iPhones in, in the whole of China. No. Uh, no no more iPhones or no? No, that's not quite correct else. because nothing about this stupid case is simple. So, uh. so Qualcomm got this injunction. Apple is reading this injunction as saying no sales of iOS 11 devices. And fancy that, they don't sell any iOS 11 devices. And so they don't have a problem. <laughs> Qualcomm, for their part, thinks that that's not how it's supposed to be read and presented a Chinese court with video evidence that Apple is still selling iPhones in the country and insists that the fact that they sold an iPhone is a violation of the injunction. Well, I can't imagine how difficult it was to get video of somebody buying an iPhone. But unless uh, Qualcomm's position is that 12 is just 11 with a bit on the end, um, presumably Apple's right. This must be down to contract law well, or something well it's the the patent clear. the patent in the, the patent being contended here for this injunction is a patent on photo editing and managing apps with a touchscreen okay that's a bit broad but all right have they chosen to narrow that down to iPhones 
Well, a- Apple contends the injunction applies only to products running the older versions of iOS and that iOS 12 doesn't apply. So that's what's going on here. And this is just a part of the sort of gamesmanship going back and forth. You know, oh, of course, sorry, yeah, part of this entire... Um, well, you're following this so much more closely than I am because uh, I, I get very intrigued by the business side and even the politics side, but then the technical side. Um, it's just, why is Qualcomm doing any of this? Qualcomm had a very dominant position. Qualcomm was the only maker of CDMA technology, which two big carriers in the United States rely upon. Hmm. Qualcomm makes CPUs that Apple doesn't buy, but others do. Qualcomm makes these modems that Apple must buy if they want to work on these two carriers. And, you know, it's advantageous for Apple as a company to use one modem chip across their entire line because they don't have to have different SKUs. Making one SKU is easier than making 10 SKUs, right? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to maintain things. Yes, I can understand that completely. And so this is Qualcomm trying to keep their dominance, trying to keep the money rolling in from that dominance. And it's already beginning to slip away because Judge Lucy Coe ruled in in a different case that the preliminary ruling was calling on Qualcomm to license their technology to rivals. Okay, but it's their technology. Shouldn't they be allowed to – I mean, I'm simplifying here because I don't understand. Uh, if I invent something, why should I give it away? Well, there's there's the, – the point of having a patent is that you can then license it out or collect from people who infringe upon it. and. Yeah. The, the there are some patents that are considered so essential that they have what's called FRAND around them, which says that you have to have a fair licensing regime. Oh, okay. Right. And it's not clear that this falls under that, but Judge Coe calling for them to to uh, ruling that they have to license it out is is sort of heading that direction. Okay, um, I, I hear her name a lot, uh, always to do with technology she, topics. She, so presumably she knows. She was stuff. the judge who ruled on the Samsung Apple case. All right. And, okay. you know, it's... Um, I'm trying to remember what happened there. There's so many different appeals for this one. <laughs> but I think it still stands. Samsung it's, ended up paying, but they ended up paying a lot less than they originally had to. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But so she's extremely well-versed in technology. Um, so what she says presumably goes. That makes sense Well, that's to the me. way a judge's ruling works, yes. But, uh, yeah. you know, she... You know, there, there's been accusations and suits back and forth here. You know, Apple's withholding royalty payments until this gets sorted out. So there's that. Um, Qualcomm has been trying to win iPhone bans in other countries as well. Qualcomm is trying to win a ban on the iPhone sales in U.S. Actually, wait a minute. The last time we spoke about this, it was because uh, Qualcomm had just said they were knocking at the door of a solution with Apple. I don't think they said it'd be any hour now, but that was the implication. Well, this feels unlikely. They they wanted to reach the settlement. They said they were ready to reach the settlement. And Judge Coe said, no, we're going to take this all the way. And oh, okay. so Qualcomm is still doing these tricks. Okay. Well, I suppose, you know, they know what they're doing. Do they? Right. So a panel of judges at the U.S. International Trade Commission are reviewing a previous ruling the agency made. They previously decided that an iPhone ban is not in the public interest, but they're reviewing it again and seeing if patent was violated. That will be re-examined as well as the product ban. Okay, so what's the worst thing that could happen here? Um, the worst thing that could happen sold. here is that iPhones will no longer be allowed to be sold in the United States. That would be pretty bad. Okay. That that would be a hair-on-fire yeah. catastrophic moment for Apple, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, okay. Well, I guess Samsung would be happy, wouldn't they? So, you know, 
everybody wins, everybody loses in some sort of way. Well, I, I'm assuming well, Samsung would be happy and Qualcomm it. would be happy because Qualcomm sells CPUs and modems to Samsung. So there you go. Two companies happy, one unhappy. Uh, I ju- I'm being triggered by this because presumably it's impossible, really, in all practical ways that this will happen. But it's a, at least a theoretical possibility. You say that, but 2018 has been the year where 2018 says to 2017 and 2016, impossible? Hold my beer. Okay. It's been It's been a year of wildly improbable things coming to pass. Yes, you agree? Yeah, I prefer challenge accepted than hold my beer, but I just because I don't drink. But okay, yes. Um, would would you settle for? Right. Hey, watch this, y'all. If I if it would move us on from these, <laughs> this, fine. Yes, moving yes. on from this, then. So Apple, in response to this, is going to develop their own cell modem. Oh well, that's hardly a shock, isn't it? Because Apple wants to make everything that it makes, and you can understand why it's done so successfully before. We got the whole. I keep getting this mixed up. Um, the ARM processors for the Mac. Uh, that's either happening or going to happen or obviously about to happen, select from the above. So, yeah, Qualcomm was on borrowed time, really, yeah. ultimately. Well, I mean, they make a ton of stuff, but if they have to license out their modem tech to MediaTek and Intel, and people go with their own processors, you know, the Huawei Kirin processor or MediaTek making CPUs for phones, there there are options out there, and Qualcomm sees the dominance slipping away. Okay, they were sitting pretty... Now they're not. Yeah. But this does happen to everyone. Um, well, ultimately, not everyone, but it's Ooh. but it's not good. Let's say that. Maybe they could, you know, um, expand their portfolio and get into making film and television, something like that. Maybe, and Apple is doing that. And we'll talk about that after this. Incidents are inevitable, and it comes down to how your company responds. Incidents require complex coordination between operations and software development teams, who are the unsung heroes putting out fires every day. Getting alerts is immediately is critical when an incident occurs, and that's why there's OpsGenie by Atlassian. OpsGenie empowers dev and ops teams to plan for service disruptions and stay in control during incidents, and it gives teams the power to respond quickly and efficiently to unplanned issues. It helps to notify all the right people through a smart combination of scheduling and escalation paths that take into account things like time zones and holidays. It allows for deep flexibility in how, when, and where alerts are deployed, supported by over 200 integrations like Jira, Amazon CloudWatch, Datadog, New Relic, and more. And it tracks all activity and provides useful insights to improve future incident responses. With OpsGenie, your next incident doesn't stand a chance. Visit OpsGenie.com to sign up to get a free company account and add up to five team members. That's OpsGenie.com. Never miss a critical alert again with OpsGenie. I was going to tell you a little bit about how Apple has 50 doctors on staff for health tech work. I know you wanted to talk about the the streaming video service, but I I wanted to talk about the doctors. Well, as it is, obviously you're sure, but also I don't know about the doctors. They got, you sure it's just not that the, I don't know, Tim Cook's very ill or something like that. It's Don't start. Don't. Seriously. You say something like that, someone takes it seriously, and the next thing it becomes rumor. After that, it becomes a story. Don't. Don't even. Okay. I like the power of that. It's a bit Doctor Who-y, isn't it? Don't. You're looking tired. Looking a bit tired, right? You're saying it's for Doesn't Theresa May look a bit tired lately? Yeah, okay, thanks. That was a low blow. Uh, in the middle of Brexit, that's just what She I almost had a vote of needed. no confidence. And by almost, yeah. I mean, you know, 200 people voted for her. But never mind. 117 against, and nothing changes. And that anyway, wouldn't make you tired? Uh, she looks tired. Yeah. Apple has okay, 50 but- doctors on staff for health tech work. Now, we, we can confirm that there are at least 20 you know, just viewing things like LinkedIn and such, but yeah, I would say, yeah. but it's it's difficult to tell. But it looks like there might be as many as fifty, 
and, and CNBC reported on this. They're not for show. Obviously, features like the electrocardiogram, uh, you know, they have the health labs where they're measuring all kinds of performance in, in exercise and fitness. And they've got on-staff cardiologists. They've got a pediatrician. They've got orthopedic surgeons who are working on determining whether Apple technology can speed up recovery from knee and hip replacements. They are working on a health records project. They are, are really trying to focus on how to revamp health. Is it still the case that Apple Park doesn't have a crash? They're just suddenly you're telling me they've got all these medical people around. They're looking after people that are customers, but they're not, you know, providing for their own staff. I don't know why you're, I went off on You're mistaken. That you're mistaken. There's an internal AC Wellness primary care group for workers. They are what providing AC Wellness Apple Care yeah. Wellness program. Right. It's a primary okay. care root group for their employees. So yes, they are taking care. <laughs> but are they giving them a crash there? Because I mean, the I, size of I really don't I know. There was a report that there wasn't. And I one don't that would know. Let's... But okay, so I'm just, I don't know what it was. When you listed what they were doing, it suddenly struck to me that they were being very thorough and yet there was this big gap. But I don't think so. they got all these people and they're, they're for our good. Yes. And cool. they just launched in the US the software update for Apple Watch that allows people to have the electrocardiogram feature. And yeah. the ECG feature already has saved a person who sent to, you know, saved is, is not overstating it. That's the term that their doctor used. They went to the doctor because the watch told them to after a couple of times of thinking it was a false alarm. Yeah. And their doctor said, no, no, you, you needed to do this. We would not have discovered this without the watch. That's, a, that's just amazing. Isn't it? I mean, it's just wonderful stuff that can be done now. Well, wonderful stuff that can be done in continental USA. Here in the UK, even if I had a watch, I obviously couldn't get it. But yeah. one hopes that will come soon. Assuredly. Okay. I, I love the fact that you, you're saying that um, we can't prove more than 20, but there may be as many as 50. And, and the reason we can't prove it is that this it really isn't for show. They haven't just hired 50 doctors to stand in, in white coats with stethoscopes, be photographed and bye-bye. They genuinely are using them. Yeah. Um, that's, that is a good thing. Yeah, it is. Now, you wanted to talk streaming service. Yes. Apple has, long day. Apple has hired someone to head up their casting efforts for the streaming service. Yes, Tamara Hunter, the, I, I confess, even doing the job I do, I, I don't know casting names. I understand she's very good. I think, you, do you know her track record better than I do? Well, so I, I have a small list. Um, she was at Sony Pictures for two years. Uh, she worked on a lot of the Marvel Cinematic features before that. Uh, there was, at the 20th Century Fox, she served on Deadpool, X-Men Apocalypse, and the uh, the NASA history film, Hidden Figures. Uh, at Sony, she did Venom, Hotel Transylvania, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, and, and she's going to report to Sony veterans Zach Van Amberg and Jamie Ehrlich at Apple. Yeah, but apart from that, what has she done? Now, I, I, I have a problem here. I, I'm, she's got an amazing track record, doubtlessly. Uh, she's very talented at this. And I, even from my small experience in drama, I know how incredibly crucial casting decision is. So I understand all this, except for the fact that she's working for Apple. And this makes it uh, the network television model where the studio has casting, at least casting approval. Whereas other streaming services, it's production by production. You've hired somebody to make a show, you let them get on with the casting. And there's such a history of network casting interference being incredibly bad not just a little off but really bad we're at the stage now with abc cbs and nbc where uh, the casting execs in the studios have to approve 
walk-on parts for it. They won't even let their producers do that. And I just think that micromanagement model is not one Apple should even be going anywhere near. So I, I'm, I'm concerned about this. Well, we're not sure precisely. You know, I, is is she a casting director or is she leading a casting division that assists those producers and showrunners get the people they want? We don't really uh, know so. how she sees her position, how she's going to fill that. But it's it's certainly possible that it doesn't have to be antagonistic or micromanaging. Okay. But uh, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? I suppose. But it is actually yeah. the first thing that's concerned me uh, about Apple's moves in this front. Generally, I'm, I mean, I'm concerned that it's all, it could all be Disney-fied and very fem- family-friendly. And family-friendly just means only the kids will put up with it. Yeah, so I'm not looking forward to that. But Good, good yeah. news. Disney is making their own streaming service. So if you want one Disney-fied, you can certainly have it from Disney. Right, and you can switch that up. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Do you say Disney? And I think of Mike Worthily because Disney owns Star Wars, doesn't it? So They do. They Disney own Lucasfilm. Launch, of course Disney's launching its own thing. Presumably they're going to put their own stuff on there. That means they'll suck Star Wars away from Netflix and the rest. Yes, and they you'll will. have to subscribe. Mind you, I love Frozen. So, okay. Right. We did have snow Thank out you. here. Do you want to build a snowman? Yeah, that'd go. Right, uh, come on, let's go and play. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> Intel released processors, or details about processors, rather. They've, they've released their roadmap, and it looks like there's a Sunny Cove processor that's suitable for a 2019 Mac Pro or an iMac Pro refresh. So, we don't know exactly, but what's interesting here is that it looks as if, you know, in the past, we've had CPUs that were 2D, right? That you, you could look cool. very clearly and see them. Here, they're doing something called die stacking, three-dimensional die stacking, to make the processors potentially suitable for future Macs. So just three processors, one atop the other. Right. Just. I say just. Just, but, you know, yeah. Um, presumably, other people have done that before. Is it? Nope. Really? Something, something new okay. to me. It's so really interesting. Is there a heat issue when they're that close? Well, when you reduce the process, you get things down 10 nanometers. You, you reduce the heat, really. Okay. Right. Oh, sorry. Hang on. You said this is a roadmap. Um, yeah. I don't want to be harsh about Intel, but they've had roadmaps before that have not exactly been, um, should we say, They've had hiccups success. that haven't bared out, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. But they, had, they had difficulties confident. getting down to the smaller process, but they're confident that this is going to be interesting and good. Okay. And in the meantime, if it doesn't work out, Sonny Cove has a job starring in some Disney film yeah. somewhere. Okay. Yes, I can see that now. That makes more sense. Right. Uh, now, when was, sorry, when was the roadmap for? Uh, when are we expecting, did you say? Well, like I said, Sunny Cove for 2019. Right. And uh, what comes after Sunny Cove again? Is uh, Willow it a year Cove. Later? Willow Cove. Okay. And then right. Golden Cove. Golden Cove. So isn't that a set of awards for television? No. I, you know, I I thought it was a uh, Peter Fonda movie. (laughs) Okay. That's a better gap. In the unlikely chance that I can conjure this sort of conversation again out in the real world, can I borrow that on some future occasion? It's yours. It's all yours. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, last week we had Michael Simmons on talking about some of the things that they've done in the past, and he, he hinted strongly that we should watch Algorithm. They released DJ for iOS. It works on iPad and iPhone. And it has beat matching. It uses the A12 Bionic chip to do machine learning for auto mixing. And it works wow. with the iPad Pro USB-C support for external devices and external displays. It's really pretty incredible. And now there's a free version for everyone, but subscriptions enables the pro version. Subscription is $5 a month for the pro version. 
and it lets you do all kinds of cool things, including give you a gigabyte of loops and sound samples that you can work to perform with over your music. Really create a sound experience with your DJing. It's very cool. It's, it's definitely for the hobbyist and the professional. It ties in with Spotify. It ties in with all kinds of things. It's got visuals. It's got a sequencer. It's, it's huge. It's really cool. Uh, it does sound great. And I was interested when he was talking about the, the company last week. But when you just started that by saying last week he dropped a hint, uh, you know, I sat up because he also dropped big hints about card hop and things, which the contact manager and I really like this. Yeah. And you and should keep has- looking for, for anything that they release about it. Yes. Okay. That sounds like you know what's coming and you're just not going to tell me. But fine. I can fine. neither confirm nor deny. You could do both. No, nope. I'd let you do both. But nope. Okay, no, nope. right. Move, I'm <laughs> terribly intrigued uh, because uh, even when you know it's one point naught release, whenever that was, I thought Card Hop uh, was really good. So I'm terribly intrigued to see what they can do next. And he made it sound like it was you know it's not going to be a different color. They're not. Yeah, Microsoft Office just came out with dark mode. You know, woohoo! It's not going to be that. It's going to be something substantial. And I can't imagine what it is but i suppose that's why i write about them and people like he actually do it so. yeah well you're going to like what's coming that's all i'm going to tell you if you yeah, like card hop you're going to like this so moving on yeah. verizon on tuesday updated their my verizon customer service application with support for app based activations of eSIM on iphone 10s 10s max and 10r so if you're a if you're traveling in the us and you have one of those phones you can download the my verizon app and activate an eSIM and have a U.S. phone line. Sorry, through the carrier's app? Yes, That's through the really carrier's app. You don't need to use a QR code or any of that nonsense, just through the app. Well, because I have to say, with all the carriers in the U.K. that I've ever used, uh, the apps have been you know, just dreadful. Um, so you try them because there's advantage to it. But you know, I, just, I don't even know if I've st- – I'm on three at the moment. I think I ditched their app two years ago. I can't remember what it looks like now. Yeah. So to have actual use out of it seems – You should check and see if they updated it at all. Sometimes they update those things. The My Verizon app is reasonably competent. It's actually quite good as these things go. I'm sorry. I'm just reminded there's the Mr. Darcy line, isn't there, from uh, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. Uh, My good opinion, once lost, is lost forever. So uh, 3's app was sufficiently bad that I'm... Yeah, I'll need to be arm twisted to try it again. But actually doing something like this, the eSIM stuff could be the twisting arm I need. So yeah, well, you, we'll you, you and Three's app are never, ever, ever getting back together, are you? Okay. Right. You sound like you're going into a Mariah Carey song there or something. Well, that was I Taylor Swift, Austin. if you must know. But uh... Oh, okay. Right. Well, you know, I, I at least I got the musical aspect. Cultural knowledge and music. William Gallagher. <sighs> Okay, it's not a completely separate Venn diagram, but okay, I didn't know Taylor Swift's. <laughs> all right, we are running out of time. I have really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed having all of you listeners out there with us for this time. And if you've liked it too, let us know. Go ahead and email William at AppleInsider.com or me, Victor, at AppleInsider.com. We're on Twitter. And, uh, and feel free to leave a positive iTunes review. We really like it when you do. Thank you, and we hope you join us again next week. William, where can people find you on the internet? I'm always looking around Twitter at, uh, at W Gallagher. And I, I, I echo what you just said. I really love the nattering we get to do with people. I'm V Marks on Twitter. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you then. <laughs>